Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to the Astrology Hub podcast. This is our flagship show dedicated to sharing the multitude of astrological approaches and perspectives. We feature up-and-coming astrologers in the field as well as living legends, and we connect you with experts and thought leaders in fields that are related to astrology, all in an effort to show you the very amazing ways that astrology can support you in your life. Super happy, happy to be here with all of you right now and very happy to be introducing you to a new guest here on the Astrology Hub podcast. His name is Greg Crawford, and we're going to be diving in today into secondary progressions. I know many of you know what that means. I know many of you don't know what that means, and we are going to be talking about it and how it can help you and how it can be another tool that you can use in your astrological practice. So thank you, everybody, for being here. I wanted to, before we dive in, just do a quick background on Gray, and then I'm going to ask him his story for how he became an astrologer. But Gray is an astrologer, writer, teacher, social worker, and father who lives in Olympia, Washington. Gray enjoys using the living symbolism of astrology to help guide others in co-creating their life story within the cycles of astrology, bringing a psychological perspective to his use of astrological techniques drawn from ancient and modern sources. Gray has spoken at astrology conferences such as UAC and NORWAC, as well as local astrological associations such as the Washington State and Oregon Astrological Associations. Gray writes astrology articles regularly on his site, graycrawford.net, and also as a contributing writer for astrology for astrology.com. I was about to say astrologyhub.com. Maybe, maybe that's foreshadowing. Great. We're very, very grateful to have you here and to have this opportunity to meet you and to get to know you better. And can we start there? Let's talk about your story. Uh, being a practicing astrologer is still a very unique thing in the world. And I'm mm -hmm. always so curious about your path and what led you to be where you are today. Yeah, I mean, there for me, there was a certain element where I was always somewhat interested in astrology. Just I I know there's some people you'll hear their story where they were like, I was a skeptic. I never believed in it. I started learning astrology to try to prove that it doesn't exist. And then I got into it and I wasn't really like that. There was something about it that always kind of made sense to me. I didn't really know um, the depth to it, but I wasn't, I wouldn't say I was ever like somebody who was just like a skeptic of it. Like when I, I was a psychology major in college and as soon as I heard about the work of like Carl Jung, for example, I was like really into some of those theories just right away kind of made sense to me the way that I think. And um, it was in college, you know, I'd only ever seen like sun sign stuff before. And really for me, the entryway was just being with my um, girlfriend at the time and coming across some astrology books, like in a store, right? And we just started reading about um, I was a Pisces, she's a Taurus, like Pisces, Taurus relationships. And we're like, oh, this is like, you know, accurate and looking at like our friends. And then she had a roommate that had like uh, the Linda Goodman sun sign book. So I remember reading that. Um, there was this birthday book that was very popular at, um, at bookstores where it has like Deccans. It's sort of divided up with, with like Deccans and um, tarot cards for every day. And I got that book and was really into that for a while. But I actually didn't know. I only knew about the sun sign stuff. And then um, and so I never was really getting that invested in it or anything. 
And it was just kind of a interesting thing that seemed like an interesting sort of like psychological kind of theory to me or something like that. And then um, I met this older woman who um, just asked me, I was just able to, I was just start talking to her about astrology and she was like, Oh, what's your rising sign? And I was like, and what, what do you mean? And then she's the one actually told me, well, there's actually a whole chart. Um, and so, as soon as I heard that, um, that was just really fascinated. Um, once I just heard that there was that concept like that, it made a lot of sense to me. So then I got one of those, you know, those books you can get that's like everything you need to know about astrology and um, learned, tried to learn how to do the chart, although I was kind of off and um, found out about astrodeast or astro.com where you can like calculate your chart. Um, so I did that for a while. And so this was back, um, I probably got into it like when I was about, um, I got into it more when I found out there was a thing with charts and I was actually trying to figure out my actual chart. I was probably like 23, hmm. something like this. Uh, so that was probably like 1998, 1999. And um, I then just, for a long time, just trying to find books and read about it on my own and learn about it. Um, but it wasn't until around 2006 or so that I actually met a woman uh, here in Olympia who's actually an astrologer who actually gave me a reading. So this was all around sort of like my Saturn return time, actually, or maybe just after my Saturn return. And um, at that point, I thought I actually knew a lot. Um, but I realized there was like a lot more for me to learn. And she's actually the one that um, taught me about secondary progressions, which we're going to talk about today. Um, and yeah, so then um, eventually, you know, I was just really into it. It was definitely like a passion of mine. And I was a teacher at that point, though. Um, I taught like in community colleges and I started getting more astrologer friends. And then eventually I just created my own website and I was already doing readings in the local area. And once I was writing and putting my writing out there, that started drawing more people to me. And then I started doing, um, you know, teaching at classes just out in the community and then kind of segued into me speaking at conferences and stuff like that. So, um, and I still haven't ever gone full-time astrologer. Um, partially that's because I have two children who are, will both be in college next year. Um, and I've always felt responsible financially to be making money. So I've, I've always done it um, as I do. Like right now, I'm actually a social worker full-time and I do astrology like with my available time, basically. Wow. But um, yeah, it's just, I would just say it became a... Um, yeah, just a real passion that I just did more and more um, work towards it. Um, and a kind of a slower process because now there's so much information. I see people learn astrology and just like jump into it like in a pretty short time span. So I was somebody that really actually spent a long time knowing about it and thinking about it and kind of looking at it and tracking it before I became somebody that was like out you know, as a public person doing it. Yeah. Yeah. It's such a natural progression, actually, mm -hmm. the way the way yours uh, progressed, because you went from, you know, curious to the sun sign astrology to the reading that you had. It's just like very natural progression. Mm -hmm. um, and probably someday you'll do it full time, don't you think? Like when you're when your kids. Yeah. Are 
in college. Yeah, that totally. I'm, yeah. I'm getting, getting there. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Um, there, Teresa's wondering, may I ask the name of the astrologer in Washington? Oh, Rosie Finn is her name. Okay. Rosie she Finn. still lives here. Yeah. If you go to my website, graycrawford.net, I think in the about section, I have her name and you can click on that and, uh, yeah, yeah, it'll take Great. her to her site. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Well, and uh, I can't believe how many people Linda Goodman has turned on to astrology. I mean, yeah. she, <laughs> she deserves the award for like most influential person in astrology. Yeah, definitely. I mean, amazing. And Carl Jung, actually, because any of us mm -hmm. that are interested in the more psychological mm -hmm. side of life, if we're if we resonate with Carl Jung and then find out his affinity to astrology, it's like, oh, it's a very natural bridge there, too. Yeah, and and I guess relate to that, and just like the type of astrology I I do. Yeah, when I was younger and coming across a lot of twentieth century astrology, it's very it was a lot that was like about bringing Jung into astrology. And then I had an interesting process of trying to learn Jung on my own. And then I've actually gone back. Um, like Demetra George became a pretty big influence of mine, and I've learned from her and more like the older Hellenistic astrology. But then um, I will basically take a, a because I, I'm into psychology and I'm into depth psychology I'll sort of bring that perspective into like the more traditional astrology that I do you so the techniques I guess right if, if that makes sense yeah it, it absolutely does and yeah. I, I, have, I have my master's in psychology and I've said it this many times that astrology has given me what I was looking for mm -hmm. when I was studying studying psychology that it was mm -hmm. like, it's really the depth that I was looking for. I've, I've found in astrology. I never really found it in psychology, but I never found Carl Jung or depth psychology when I was in college or graduate school, which I think I would have left. But yeah, my college didn't actually have anything either. I, I wish that it, it had. I was also a psychology major and I didn't honestly like a lot of the classes I had to take. Yeah, no, it definitely yeah. <laughs> like diminished it down to these little studies. And I'd be like, but yeah. that doesn't really tell me anything about humans. Like, I want to know how we work. So, yeah, really fascinating. It's okay. So let's go to secondary progressions. Sure. What is that? Yeah. And we can actually, um, I can bring Carl Jung into this also, I think, to keep on that. Um, so se uh, secondary progressions, if you've never heard about it before, it's maybe going to sound really strange uh, when I first describe what it is. And so what I would recommend about it, even if you don't really get why it would work or doesn't seem logical, just to start um, experimenting with it and looking at it with your chart. So it's um, there's two ways that it can really be helpful for people. Some people very much like secondary progressions as being something that's predictive and it is somewhat predictive um, and can be helpful in that way. Um, I really see it, though, um, very much if you're into the idea of um, the natal chart showing how sort of like your dynamic potential or maybe like the seed of this um, quality, um, especially if you're into like this concept of like soul or um, what's my soul purpose or why am I here? Um, obviously, the natal chart is a moment you're born. And so you're, you're born and we're just kind of freezing that moment of time um, into this like, you know, three dimensional static um, chart. And um, that natal chart is really important and it's going to still be important in secondary progressions. 
But what secondary progressions um, sort of tap you into is where everything in that moment you were born um, within, where is it moving? So it's, it's very much connected to sort of like the river or quality of time kind of flowing through that moment of your birth. Um, what you're, what you're actually doing with secondary progressions is you're, um, it's based upon a concept that a day has a symbolic resonance with a year. And so if somebody was 30 years old, you would be looking at a chart that's based upon 30 days after they were born. Um, and so if you, one, one thing to just start thinking about when you talk about secondary progressions is, you know, what is that symbolic correspondence and why should we um, think it means anything? Um, it's very much, um, you, so our experience of a day, you know, is very much based upon our experience of the sun. The sun, you know, rises in the morning. We have sunrise, you know, culminates overhead. It then sets, it sets in the darkness and then it goes, you know, through darkness, um, sort of through the, the underworld in a way, um, anti-culminating and then rising again the next day. Um, our experience of a year is the sun, um, from our experience, our perspective, it seems like the sun's going around us, right? Um, we see the sun and in astrology, we're tracking that motion of the sun to the signs when we're, especially when we're using the tropical zodiac. So that, you know, the tropical zodiac, when it is zero degrees Aries, it's the moment of the spring equinox. And so this is based on the symbolism that sunrise, when the sun is rising, that's like the spring equinox. When the sun is culminating, you know, to its greatest height, that's like the summer solstice, uh, which in the northern hemisphere is zero cancer. When the sun is setting, that's like the um, autumn equinox in the northern hemisphere, zero Libra. And when the sun is, you know, going down to its depths in the, the darkest time of the year in the northern hemisphere, that is zero degrees um, Capricorn. And so... There is this, there's some sort of resonance there between that experience of a solar day and a year that the entire concept is, is based on. So somebody who is um, 10 years old, we're looking at a chart 10 days after they were born. So if you think about um, maybe say somebody lives to be about 90 years old, that's about three months after they were born because that's, um, you know, um, and so in that sense, as like sort of a normal human lifetime, um, we're typically thinking about, you know, the, it's like the three months or so, depending on how old you live, after your birth and all the transits that play out during that time, all the new moons that come in or the full moons, or maybe there's um, a Mercury retrograde. Well, there's going to be a Mercury retrograde in that time, most likely. Um, maybe there's an eclipse that happens, maybe whatever there is in that, those three months. Um, that is going to play out in this different quality of time um, where it's actually playing out across the entire um, lifetime. Um, Dane Rudyar um, had a very famous idea around this where he kind of equated, you know, if the idea of a year, you know, being 12 months 
if we're thinking about that three month thing after birth, we think about somebody being in the womb for like nine months. So maybe there's something interesting there about that three month period of um, the child coming into the world and what happens then mm. um, during those three months with their development. Um, you, it, whatever the case is, um, it just it just sort of works. And so yeah. there's, 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 there's a thing where like a solar day, a solar year, I think if you're into like the idea of fractals or sort of like the part equals the whole, um, this idea very much comes into it, I think. Also, I think about in terms of one of the things I like about astrology is helping people with their story and like their, their life story and how they, how they tell their story. And so you can sort of see like what part of the person's story they're in um, through secondary progressions. And when we're going back to that idea again, like um, with, with Carl Jung and when he talks about individuation, like say the, um, the seed of like a mountain pine versus a oak tree, like the mountain pine is going to seed is going to turn to a mountain pine tree. And there's all these, you know, environmental factors that are at play in that, but there's something within that seed that's, that's going to emerge. It's this essential form. And that's different than like the oak or whatever. And so the, the natal chart here is serving as that, you know, radical root foundational chart that is showing, you know, who the person will become in, in certain ways, right, on this, this kind of deeper level, um, where secondary progressions is sort of showing this, um, this movement, um, this, this growth. Um, when we're using a tree analogy, we can think about it like the branches kind of growing out and, you know, expanding out. Um, I also think about it sort of like the roots um, going down and within. Um, and so there can be sort of like an expansion or growth into the person you want to be, or maybe there's sort of like an inner remembrance of who you are. Um, and it's also very much a in, in, in contrast to maybe some other techniques, it's, it's definitely tapping you into more of like an inner process of things that are going on within you, if that makes sense. So the, the, the main timing factor with secondary progressions, which is very consistent is the sun. And because we're going one day equals one year, we're basically looking at the sun moving um, one degree each year of your life. And so that the, using the sun is always a really good starting point for you. Um, and because, um, and that what that means is, if you're a Pisces like me, you might have been born a Pisces sun, but you're gonna become an Aries sun. And then you're gonna become a Taurus sun. And you might become a Gemini sun. And this is kind of depends. And, and it depends also where you're born in Pisces. So if you're born at like um, one degree of Pisces, you're not going to become an Aries by secondary progression until you're about 29. Because remember, we're going, like there's 30 degrees in a sign. So it's going to take the sun 30 years to move through that sign. But when you move into Aries when you're 29 or 30, that's going to be a really major transition for you. It's a big change to go from Pisces, this more internal water sign into this very fiery, active, you know, assertive, um, kind of radiant Aries sign. 
Um, or if you're born at the end of Pisces, like I am, my son's like 27 degrees or so of Pisces. So I was like only like three years old or something when I moved into Aries. And so actually most of my early life was really spent with an, um, with an Aries son by progression. And so for me, actually a really major change was when my progressed son went into Taurus, which for me was about 12 years ago. Um, and so, um, my progressed son is now about 12 something Taurus, which means it's been in Taurus for like 12 years, if that makes sense. Um, and so one of the things we could just first start talking about is, um, that there's just a difference because you're, you're all the sun, the moon is going to change a lot more than the sun. Um, but the sun, the sun being such a, um, important piece of just like your identity and your purpose in the world and, you know, your awareness, um, that's a, a really major factor that that changes. The moon, in contrast, um, will actually move through um, all of the signs in a roughly around 27 years or so. When you're 27, roughly in a time period, you get a progressed lunar return, which means the moon will come around back to where it was when you were born, and that's a tr- that's an experience that always um, transitions you actually into the Saturn return. Um, and it's just sort of like a, when, once you get into this more, you, you kind of learn that progressed lunar return is really important depending on what, how that goes and what happens in with the Saturn return. Um, and then, you know, it'll move through a whole sign in about two and a half years or so. Um, so the moon's the one that moves like faster and you're going to see a lot more changes happening. Um, the other planets really depends on when you're born. So um, Mercury, for example, can move pretty fast, but you might be born during Mercury retrograde when it's moving slower or Mercury stationing. So it's not even moving. And so same with the, all the other planets. And so sometimes Mercury will most, most likely for most people, Mercury changes signs by secondary progression. Um, most of the other planets, Venus will tend to change signs for people. Mars tends to change signs for people. Um, beyond them, Jupiter, Saturn, they can, Pluto, Uranus, Neptune also can, but, um, it really depends on when you're born. And so if you're somebody that has like an ephemeris, one of the best ways to start playing around with this is you just open up the ephemeris, which an ephemeris is like a book that has all of the transits. So like you could get like a 21st century um, or 20th century um, ephemeris that has all the transits for the 20th century. And you look at the day you're born and you can look like three months ahead or so. And you're basically then counting each year of where they're showing the plants are. You can see um, that's going to be a year of your life. And you can start getting a sense just using an ephemeris for um, how much change you might have. So with besides the sun and the moon, it really depends on what's going on with the planets when you're born, depending on how much they're going to be changing signs and that kind of thing. But they're all going to be moving irregardless and they're all going to be making new things happen. Um, yeah. I hope, I don't know if that makes sense initially and I can it, go into it. it more. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm curious to see some examples, but also mm-hmm. I, so I have two questions. I, I think I'm understanding what you're saying. It feels like one of those things where you need to start playing with it. And yeah, like, you definitely want to start playing with it. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh my question is what happens to your natal placement? 
Like, are you, if I'm a Capricorn, when mm -hmm. I'm born, am I no longer that Capricorn essence? Or am I just that Capricorn sun now flavored with Aquarius? You know, how does yeah, it that's, Yeah, out? Yeah, that's a good question. So that's definitely one of the things you have to keep in mind. Your, your natal chart stays like the root foundational chart. Um, so yeah, I'm still Pisces sun with a Gemini moon. That's what I have right now in my, my secondary progression. So I'm a Taurus sun with an Aquarius moon. And so that Taurus progressed sun and Aquarius progressed moon are happening for me, but it's happening on some other kind of level of um, time in a way, or uh, I think it, I almost feel like it's better to talk about in terms of like inner life. And um, I'm somebody that likes to talk about the soul in astrology and that being important. And so for me, it's a very soulful soul making. How do you participate with your soul type of um, technique actually? Um, can or you, if, Greg, can you give but, us an example? Like, so let's just, we can use yours or mine or someone else's, mm -hmm. but an example of what it would look like to have your sun change into a progress mm -hmm. position, have your moon change into a progress position mm -hmm. and how that would shift the soul or like the, the mm -hmm. experience that you're having of life. How does that flavor? Yeah. That? Yeah. And, the, and because it also, it, it does show up in actually very external events happening. That's why a lot of people actually do like to use it as a predictive technique mm -hmm. and it's sensitive to transit. So, if, so, for example, my progressed sun being in Taurus right now, about 12 degrees, I have Uranus is there right now. Yeah. So on that kind of, so I don't have Uranus on my needle sun, um, but I do have Uranus on my progressed sun. That's not the same thing. And it's a different experience of that, but there's still a Uranian thing happening there. Um, and that that's part's a little hard to explain, but so for me, I would say just my example in my natal chart, it, unless I use asteroids, I have nothing in an earth sign. Ah. I'm very um, water, air, well, fire also, um, especially water, air. And so um, when my son went into Taurus, that was actually really significant for me um, because now all of a sudden, you know, the last 12 years I've had my son in an earth sign in a natal chart that has nothing in earth. Mm. Um, and I would say in this time period, um, I have been much more um, sta stabilizing, uh, more successful in the material world. Um, it's actually, it lined up pretty much exactly with us, with um, going from just always mentally or like exploring astrology on my own into actually doing much more like tangible things mm -hmm. with astrology and having it turn into more of like an actual like career mm -hmm. or something I'm doing out in the world and being seen for with astrology. So um, now if, if I had been say I was a Pisces and um, I have, I'm very water earth chart or something, I don't have much fire and um, later, like in my mid-20s, I go into a progressed Aries sign. Um, so now I have a fire planet, and I'm more of like a water, earth, like internal, 
maybe emotion, you know, I'm, I'm more comfortable kind of being within myself. That transition into the, the fire um, might feel really harsh initially and really um, difficult in a way. And, and but it's going to probably start pushing, you know, things are going to start more kind of heating up, speeding up. There's going to there's going to as you kind of step into that Aries, it's going to be kind of pushing the person a little bit more. Um, to kind of get out there with whatever that is, um, asserting themselves more, getting out seen more, and it's going to maybe be uncomfortable. Um, that that may not be something that's that feels comfortable because your 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 natal chart still counts. Yeah. Um, it's not like you're you're not losing it, and um, you can't really um, when we're talking about prediction and we're talking about looking at what does the chart say about you and who who you're going to become and what's going to happen with your life. You, the, the, what the natal chart says is still the predominant thing. And so secondary progressions aren't going to really like mean that something different is going to happen than what your natal chart is sort of saying already. I, I don't know if that makes sense, but it's, it's definitely, but it's, it'll be different. And so it'll be showing how you're um, growing and changing and really also what you're uh, maybe open to more now, what you're ready to receive. Mm. Um, one thing I see a lot that's really interesting with this is uh, relationships. So you meet somebody and it's a really significant connection. And, um, you know, there's a really important connection with this person. Typically, you're going to see the natal charts. There's really powerful sinistry going on between the two charts maybe the uh, composite chart, which in one, one way composite charts work is like taking the midpoints of all the planets and you kind of create a third chart of the two people combined. Typically that's got something really, you know, amazing in it or important that stands out to you. But what I see very consistently is there's actually additional things going on with the one person's secondary progress chart to maybe the other person's natal chart and vice versa. Um, also sometimes actually in between the two secondary progress charts going back and forth also. Um, and so for example, um, you could have your um, one person's secondary progressed moon or sun is now on the other person's natal Venus or um, Mercury or Moon or sun, you know, something that's a pers personal relating kind of a planet. Mm -hmm. And um, that movement of the secondary progressed planet being there is actually timed with when these two people actually start developing their relationship. Um, and now the, the natal sinistry is still the main thing you're, you're looking at but there's something interesting about that. That's something I see like all the time. Mm. And it's something actually then even in a long-term relationship you can look at. So maybe you're, you're, you're used to always looking at your relationship with somebody else, the two charts back and forth. Well, the secondary progress charts are going to be changing. And so, you know, you might be used to having your, you know, your, um, I don't know, your partner's uh, moon sign is an earth sign normally and you're, you you think of them as like this earth moon person but maybe that person's moon is now in an air sign by secondary progression and that's that's creating a different dynamic with you because of what your chart is hmm. does, does that make sense so that's something yeah. else you can really see with it yeah yeah great let me ask a question um cosmic rose put this in 
and I want to see if I'm understanding correctly. So because of the speed of the plant, the movement of the planets, mm -hmm. some planets in your chart will definitely change in your lifetime. Mm -hmm. Some will maybe change in your lifetime mm -hmm. because if they were at later degrees mm -hmm. when you were born, then they there's a good chance, even if they're a slow moving planet like uh, Saturn or Pluto or Uranus, there's a chance that they're going to actually go into that next progress sign. But yes. they might not. If it was they at might not. zero degrees, Pluto at zero degrees, it's, it's not going to move in your lifetime. So if you're looking at progressions, and some things are changing, but other things aren't changing. I mean, everything's changing, right? Everything's they're, shifting. They're all going to be changing on some. They're all yeah. going to be changing a little bit, at least. They're all going to be shifting, but they may yeah. or may not be going into the next sign. Right. right? Definitely yeah. not. Okay, but so everything's shifting, and you're looking. The most imp the most significant thing you're looking at with secondary progressions is when they do change sign. So um, well, I mean, that's a good way to start. Yeah, I mean, not necessarily. Um, that's, I would say, the most significant thing, but that's going to be really dramatic. When a planet changes signs, it's going to be a dramatic change, and the meaning of that planet in your nail chart, it's going to kind of show up in some way. Um, one thing you can, you can see, even if a planet's not moving a whole lot, is when uh, maybe like an aspect in your chart gets to be really exact. So maybe, for example, Pluto it might, might be moving really slow, um, maybe you sort of have this wide Pluto moon trine in your chart, um, but Pluto just very, very slowly across time moves into um, exact um, degree aspect with your moon. Um, that period when, when that exact secondary progression aspect like is, is like really exact is going to maybe have a really... Um, that that aspect in your natal chart is going to come through a lot stronger then. Um, another thing is actually when plants station. So a plant, if a plant stations direct or stations retrograde, it's going to not be moving for a while. And that time period around the stationing, which you can really give to be like at least like a, like a generally like a year around that stationing. But um, you can look to see though, when is the exact day that that planet stations and generally, the, the, the time period around that, especially like the months or so around that planet stationing, that planet comes through um, very strongly in your life. So Pluto may not be moving a whole lot in your life or changing signs, but if Pluto, you're born with Pluto retrograde and then Pluto stations direct when you're like 33 or so. When you're 33, you're going to have this really big Pluto um, theme come through. Um, I've sometimes thought about this maybe like with music. Um, maybe there's like the soundtrack of your life, you know, takes on this like Plutonic, mm. Pluto-like quality. Um, and, and there's going to be these Pluto events happening, which are going to be very clearly Pluto events. And they're also going to have something to do with like what's Pluto like in your natal chart also. Like that's going to kind of come through there. But yeah, like so like I have uh, Uranus early in Scorpio retrograde. And at this point in my life, Uranus has actually gone from Scorpio um, back into Libra. And so that's, um, that's I've, I've had a change like that. A lot of people will not have Uranus change signs though. Mm. Um, yeah, and like, and actually in my chart, I have Venus kind of at the end of Aries opposite Pluto at the beginning of Scorpio. 
Um, so I consider myself a Venus Uranus person because they're opposite, but there's some, the signs are not opposite, but because Uranus has now come back into Libra, that Venus Uranus opposition I have in my natal chart is, you could say it's kind of more intense now for me because now Uranus is in Libra by progression. Um, it's kind of getting closer to my, my natal Venus, hmm. you know, it's, it's within like a degree or so at this point. Um, yeah. Um, can I ask a question? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> you ever see the secondary progressions kind of overriding what, like, especially in synastry, do you ever mm -hmm. see like, you know, a couple might have great synastry, but then things shift and move around and by secondary progression, it's not as, uh, you know, conductive, I guess I'll use that mm -hmm. word. Uh, and that could be a reason why people shift and change and need to leave a relationship or. Yeah, I, I, I think it could. I mean, uh, there's obviously in situations like that, there's a lot more going on than just, um, you know, people grow apart and it's just, they just don't have it anymore. But I do think that in some of those situations, if you looked also at that, there might be something um, interesting about that, 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 that would show up in that way. Mm -hmm. Um there'd be a lot of ways that could, that could, that could happen. But yeah, um, I wouldn't say that would be the reason though, just from the secondary progression. Um, right. But yeah, like for example, Mercury is one that's going to typically change signs, but some people, like if you were born with like Mercury stationing retrograde, like at the end of um, um, Aquarius or something, and then it goes, you know, it goes all the way back and then stations direct and it comes forward again, you would have to live to be pretty, you, you know, it, it'd probably be in Aquarius for a really long time in your life. And depending how old you got, you may not get to it actually making it into Pisces. Hmm. Um, so there can be some things like that. Um, Mercury, though, typically does change signs. And Mercury is, um, besides the sun and the moon, Mercury is one of the ones that I really like to pay a lot of attention to because you'll get a lot more movement with it. Hmm. Um one of the other things I should I should mention just for introducing people to this that's really important is paying attention to the the sun moon phase by progression. So, um, you know, say you're born. So I'll just use myself as an example. I have a Pisces sun end of Pisces. I have a Gemini moon beginning of Gemini. I have a waxing uh, crescent moon. It's a, it's a crescent moon, you know, going towards fullness when I'm born. So that's my natal lunar phase. And whatever one you have, you might, someone else might be born at a full moon. And so they're a full moon person, whereas I'm like a crescent moon person. So that's an important um, aspect of your personality and, you know, that sort of thing in astrology. But uh, this is always going to be changing by secondary progression. So if you think about on average, maybe... 30, 29, 29 and a half days it takes for the lunar cycle to go through a whole lunar cycle. It's going to take about 29 and a half years for you to go through a whole um, lunar, um, lunar, a whole lunar cycle in your chart. So within that time period, you'll go from, so me being born in a crescent moon, I'm going to end up by secondary progression, moving into a progressed full moon, and then it's going to start waning go into a darkness, it's going to then create a new moon, and it's going to start a whole new cycle that will take 29 and a half years. 
Um, and so, for example, somebody born at a new moon, in, they have a sun and moon together in their natal chart. Um, that's a really important thing about, you know, who they are. Um, um, when they're roughly 14, 15 years old, they're going to come into a progressed full moon phase. And when you, when you, as the moon is waxing into light and at fullness, there tend to be a lot of like activity and developments going on. When we're, when we're older, we tend to see often people doing like a lot of growth that's really kind of building maybe up until that full moon and then things really get illuminated. And then a full moon can also, it's a big illumination of the whole cycle. It can like full moon people, it's often very like relational. So that new moon person getting the full moon when they're like 14 or 15, you know, when they're that old, that age, they might have a bunch of like important um, relational things happening. There's a, there's a lot of light in their chart versus a full moon person who's a full moon personality. Normally, when they get to that age, their moon's going to actually be going dark and going into a new moon. And when the when the progressed lunar cycle closes down, there tends to be a need to kind of um, go into a little bit more of an inner experience and kind of release the past cycle. And then there's like some kind of new seed or new meaning or new vision that kind of starts taking root around that time that then kind of grows. And so that full moon person, when they're, you know, 14, 15, they're going to maybe have to need in those kind of teenage years, maybe have a need to have that more kind of internal um, going within kind of quality, if that makes sense. So, you you that's another um which you know we could do a whole podcast just on that lunar phase thing but um that's another one of the things that's really um important and if you if you are familiar with the eight phase lunar cycle model of like um new moon if the moon's 45 degrees past the sun it's a crescent moon 90 degrees is a first quarter moon 135, it's a gibbous moon, 180, it's a full moon, and then going around disseminating last quarter balsamic. If you track your, and so what you're doing there is you're looking at the difference between the progressed sun and the progressed moon. And if you go around and calculate when it it moves through those different phases, that's very consistently one of the most accurate um, things that lines up with people's life stories um it's 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 kind of just eerily accurate um and um there's different meanings that each of those lunar phases have that that go with that um which you know there's lots of resources out there you know on on what does we don't have time to go into all of that right now wow but that's that's another one to really look at um yeah. otherwise you want to look at you know when are things uh, besides the changing signs which are obviously dramatic you know, when are things hitting things in your natal chart? So the progressed moon might go over your Venus or your Mars. Hmm. You're also looking at when things come to your natal angle. So you have um, your progressed sun crosses your ascendant. That's going to be this very solar time for you. Or say your progressed Venus crosses over your ascendant. Something about Venus and the meaning of Venus in your chart is going to come really forward strong into your life. Same thing with like the mid heaven, you know, related to being seen, or you could look at descendant, I see. So that's another one is when things hit the angles or they're um, making aspects. So the progressed planets will aspect natal planets and progressed planets will aspect each other also. So 
there's a, there's actually a lot <laughs> that you that you're looking at. Um, but when at the very beginning, I think it's good to just start getting a feel for that thing about the you know the progressed sun changing signs and the progressed moon changing signs. Um, that's a good starting place. And then there's you know there's just a lot more to look at beyond that. As always with astrology, yeah. it's, it, it feels endless. Yeah. Uh, Ray, where, where do the houses come into this? A, does it matter what house system you use? And B, does the house, does the house change as well? Yeah, that's an, another good question. So you want to use the house system you use normally. And so um, depending on what house system you use, that's what you want to use. Um, one of the most, imp- so what I like to use mostly is um, making like like a bi-wheel. So you take your needle chart on the inside and you put the secondary progressions on the outside, like some of you might do already with transits. And then you're looking for where do the um, secondary progress planets move um, during the life. So they will change houses. So, um, and then the other thing you're looking at, they're changing natal houses is what I mean by that, I should say. So, with the sun and we're talking about the sun probably moving, um, you know, roughly it might, if you live be 90, right, it's going to move three signs. So it's a good chance it's going to move like three houses. So you're born with a 10th house sun by secondary progression. It's going to eventually move into the 11th house and you're going to have take on this 11th house kind of quality a little bit more with the sun. It's then going to move into the 12th house. Um, first house sun's going to go first house, second house, third house. Um, a fifth house sun, um, it's going to maybe, so so let's say someone's a fifth house sun, um, they're doing something creative or, um, there's some sort of creative direction they want to take. Um, it then moves into their sixth house and they're really like working on it and honing it and doing all this like work, building it or, you know, developing it. it then moves into their seventh house and especially maybe when it crosses their descendant. So it's on an angle it's going to come really forward and be seen more maybe in the world in some kind of way. Um, so, and all the other planets can also actually do, do that too. The sun's going to be the one that, you know, it's moving like one degree a year. So it's going to have this very steady uh, movement. And so it's, it's, it's an, it's an interesting thing to actually contemplate, you know, that an eighth house sun is going to go ninth house, 10th house, for example, or a 10th house sun like that 10th house, 11th house, 12th house. So that 10th house sun, that might be somebody that really wants to, you know, be seen with their work in this way. They're going to eventually at a kind of older age have to go into this 12th house um, experience. Hmm. If that makes sense. And so you could do that with whole sign, you could do that with Placidus. You could do that with Regimontanus, Porphyry. Um, when it's hitting the angles or hitting the cusps, that would be really important to look at also because it's going to be really change, And that's going to change depending on what house system. But the angles, like I said, that's the one that's not going to – the angles are the same in any house system, and that's one of the biggest things. So ascendant, IC, descendant, midheaven, if a secondary progressed planet comes to that, it's, it's really big. Now, I mean, and then the thing is, though, with a secondary progress chart, you can look at that as a standalone chart. And so that is also going to change. And it gets a little confusing because you'll see different astrology programs use different calculations 
for the Midheaven and the Ascendant. Um, I like the Solar Arc uh, Midheaven. I think the Ascendant one, it's typically the, the default one. I think it's Solar Arc and Longitude that I like to use. And um, just I would just go with the default for the program you're using. Um, and if you want to get, you know, you can look into how these will be different. But the Midheaven will basically change kind of like the sun about a, a, a degree a year. Um, and that's also important. So your Midheaven will, will maybe eventually change signs. And you might go from a different quality of what you want to do with your work in the world when that happens. And that could be a pretty dramatic shift for somebody. Um, that Midheaven might also cross over a natal planet. And so maybe that natal planet then gets connected to that work in the world more. Um, the ascendant does not change a degree per year. And that depends on some other factors that we don't need to get into right now. But let's say the ascendant changes signs. That's going to be a really big um, change for the person. And they're going to have to, um, you know, adjust to that. Like I'm towards the end of cancer now. When my ascendant goes into Leo in a few years, um, that's going to be a big change for me. And it's probably more of a Leo thing coming out of me then right um <laughs> nice yeah so this yeah. kind of depends whatever that is well gray i can see everybody already like diving in and looking at their charts and figuring out what's happening for them um, i love what kristen says both my progressed son entered libra and retrograde retrograde venus and virgo entered libra the last few years i'm mm. getting used to wanting to relate to people Okay. That's a good example. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So I, it's, it's really fun to read all the comments and to see this is really connecting with people and they're super excited to be testing it out. So great. Thank you so much for this, yeah. this vast overview of the progressions and how to work with them and which ones to pay attention to first, and then to kind of work our way into other, um, other planets. And then also yeah. looking at the angles and the aspects and the, you know, all the different ways of looking at it. It's amazing. Yeah. And it's, it, it, it always comes back to something you said in the beginning. It's like, we don't know why this works, yeah. but it seems to work. So yeah, it does. It definitely <laughs> works. Um, so you can try to think about the symbolic meaning or just don't worry about it and just, it just works. So <laughs> it just really, yeah. yeah, just, just test it out and see if, if it resonates with you too. Yeah. Awesome. Great. Thank you so much. This has been such a nice introduction to you and to your work. Um, would you say this is one of the main techniques? Uh, this is probably. Yeah, it is actually. It's one, one of my, it's one of the main techniques. Yeah, it is. Okay. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Yeah. It's one of my favorite ones to use. It seems really powerful um, and seems like it would, it would reveal a lot that might not be noticeable on the surface. Right. It does. Yeah. yeah. So you'll, yep. And so, yeah, it, it's definitely a good one to always look at with somebody. Yeah. And you could spend the whole time just talking to somebody about, about it also. Yeah. When you meet with somebody. Yeah. Ah, wow. Astrology continues to astound. It's just this, it's so magical <laughs> how deep we can go. Um, Plant says this was such a great talk. I missed the beginning, but I will definitely go back and rewatch the whole thing. Thank you. Cool. Lots of awesome comments like that, Gray. So thank you so much for your time. Thank you for being here. Thanks to all of you who are tuning in. I know for some of you, it's like super late at night. Some of you, it's already tomorrow for me. Um, but thanks for being here. As always, thanks for being a part of our community and for making astrology a part of your life. Gray, before we sign off, if they want to check your work out, it's graycrawford.net, correct? Yep. 
Yep. Yeah. Greg Crawford on that. Yep. Okay. And for those of you who are interested in getting a summary of all the shows that we do every week here at, at Astrology Hub, as long as as well as some insights that I always pull out of each episode, you can sign up for the Cosmic Insider, which is our weekly email that goes out for free, summarizing all the free talks that are here on this network of shows. That's astrologyhub.com slash insider, and you'll get our little weekly summary. So again, thank you so much for being here, and we'll look forward to connecting with you again very soon.